0: The following is a recording from ACF Church in Eagle River, Alaska. If you would like to join us, our services are Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. and Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. We would love for you to be our guests. We hope you consider partnering in the work God is doing here by joining a life group, serving, and giving. If you would like to give financially to the mission of ACF Church, you can safely give by texting the donation amount to 907 341 4213. Now prepare your hearts to hear God's word. Hey, what's up Sunday morning? How you guys doing? Welcome to ACF Church. I'm glad that you're here. My name is Brian and I'm one of the pastors here and I'm just excited to spend the morning with you. Uh, We are kicking off a new series this morning and things are good. You guys, life's good. It's sunny outside. Are you happy? Things are great. Get out there, go on a walk, enjoy this amazing state that we live in. Love it. Just a good time of year to be in Alaska. So uh, glad that you're here. Also, I wanted to keep uh, introducing you to our Wednesday service. If you haven't considered moving to Wednesday, I'd encourage you, give Wednesday Church a shot. We had a great crowd there this last week, uh, and it's a chance to free up your weekends. Um, God does exist here other than Sunday morning. So um, you can go to church on a Wednesday. Totally cool. Me and God got it all worked out. You can go to church on a Wednesday. So anyway, um, I just want to encourage you to do that if your family wants to uh, free up the weekends. and But stay engaged this summer, you guys. As it gets nice outside, I know it's kind of that time of year that there's a lot going on. But uh, let me encourage you, do that in community. And continue to be engaged and plugging in so that if, uh, if you get to the end of the summer, you're not going, Man, I, my life... Is kind of a mess now, and I'm disengaged from relationships and from the church, and you don't have to do that that season of trying to fix the mess of, uh, of just kind of going crazy in the summer. So uh, anyway, we'd love to see you engaged and see you around Wednesday night, um, this Wednesday, if you can be a part of that. But we are starting a new series today called Blind Spots, and I am stoked, you guys. This topic that we're going to be talking about is a topic that's really near and dear to my heart and my journey, uh, and we're going to be talking about our identity. We're going to be talking about who we are as people. I love that song um, that he talks, he talks about, like, you know, I care what people think. I'm insecure and I care what people think. And I wonder if that describes your life. I wonder if you've spent some time caring about what people think, trying to impress other people, or trying to prove things for yourself. That depending on your upbringing, depending on what your story is. Um, Maybe this is where you've come from for me. I've spent most of my life, I think, trying to prove things to myself and to other people, uh, trying to be what people want me to be. Um, I've said a lot of times I've traveled around a lot as a kid and going from place to place, um, I always took it as a new opportunity to redefine myself. And maybe you've done this before where you're like, I don't really like who I was in this last location. So in this new location, I can, you know, pick a new uh, fashion sense. I can act a little different and I can really redefine myself, find some new friends. And so I would always do that. Um, top to bottom, I'd kind of redefine myself, and, and I remember I went to this new location, and everybody was wearing Lucky Jeans, Lucky Brand Jeans, remember Lucky Jeans? And uh, anyway, they're like $185 for one stinking pair of jeans, but that's what everybody was wearing, so I saved up all my money all summer long to, to get some Lucky Jeans, and then the school year started, and nobody was wearing Lucky Jeans anymore, so that's, that's just the story of my life, chasing after a moving target, trying to impress other people. Then there was Janko's, be honest, who wore Janko's? Oh yeah, we got some Jankos. Remember Jankos? They were like way too big. I mean, who needs that much material? Like super wide. I don't know. I don't know why they were cool, but they were cool. And uh, anyway, we—if you look back, you look at pictures of yourself like that, maybe years ago. You're like, what was I thinking? Have you done this? Why did I dress that way? Why? Well, you, it was just—it was the fashion. It was cool. It was—you know—what you did to try to be part of uh, of the community, to try to fit in a little bit. And we all have this need. To, to feel loved and to feel like we fit in, to feel like we're part of the community. And, and we do a lot of interesting things to try to meet that need. But, uh, but I believe that God meets that need for us. And I believe that we can, as we walk through the next few weeks, and uh, as we walk through this series, that we can identify who we are and that who we are can, can define what we do in our lives. And so I'd encourage you to be here for this. We're going to be walking through the book of Ephesians. That's going to be um, every week, walking through this book. And if you have a Bible at home that never gets opened, and you've been trying to be a Bible reader, but you don't know where to begin, I'd encourage you open up the book of Ephesians. It's six chapters. It's a quick read. Study it. Let God speak to you. And then when you show up here, it's going to, like, things are going to going to be sparking in your mind that wouldn't otherwise be going off if you weren't reading at home. So encourage you, be a reader. Read the Word. You never have any idea what maybe I'm teaching you. It could be totally off the wall. So you want to be readers, want to be studiers, want to be people who are reading the Word on your own. But uh, anyway, let's pray and we'll get into this today. Jesus, thank you for this community that we have. Thanks uh, for this amazing day that's outside. And as we come into the summer and there's a lot going on and a lot to take our interest, God, we want to make sure that it's all All the joy that we experience in in this life is a a springboard from from who we are in you. God, I pray that every person in this room would know who they are, God, and that uh, that would define what we do in our lives. God, we pray that you would speak to us through your word today. God, that we would leave changed by being a part of your community and by uh, being spoken to by your spirit. God, I pray for the person here this morning who's uh, in desperate need of some hope. Um, who's in desperate need of some acceptance and some love, God, that they'd find that in your church, and they'd find that more than anything in you today. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Open up to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If you have a Bible, um, 2 Corinthians chapter, political joke for you. Uh, but 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Come on, nobody? Are you awake? You with me? 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is where we're going to be. If you don't have a Bible, you can grab one of the Bibles in the back of the room, um, or you can download the YouVersion Bible app, and uh, you can actually take a Bible home. You can totally steal a Bible from church. We are good with that. If you don't have a Bible, steal a black Bible, and we will avert our eyes, and uh, you'll be just fine. So I don't know if you know this. Identity was Word of the Year according to dictionary.com. It was the number one word searched for 2015. And I was, I was reading that this week, and I was like, why is that? Why was it such a big deal? In fact, there was a New York Times article that came out that that uh, called 2015, the year we obsessed about identity. And uh, why, why is that such a big deal? And I was doing some research about what happened in 2015 that would cause us to want to learn so much about identity. Um, the first article that came up was uh, the whole Caitlyn Jenner situation. You guys see that on the news? So that was a really big deal in 2015. And the question that arose out of all of that was this question of, of, of gender identity. Like, is, is a gender just something that, uh, that you choose? Is it something that's given to you? Who are we when it comes to our gender and then beyond that was uh, was the Supreme Court ruling for same-sex marriage. Remember that whole thing that went on? And that was a huge conversation in 2015. Uh, the question of uh, sexuality and orientation. Is this, again, identity speaking? Is this something we choose? Is it something that's chosen for us? How do we decide sexual identity? So that was a big concept. Um, there was a lot of discussion in 2015 about safe places and how, um, you know, there, there, there need to be places in your life like schools and uh, where you can go with your opinions, but you don't have to feel offended by other people's opinions. And, and, and so there was a lot of conversation about what you can say in public and what you can't say, and what can be said in schools and what can't be said in schools, so that you don't feel offended or um, impressed upon by somebody else's opinion. And so conversation, again, about identity. How does your identity affect my identity, and then how do we live in this same world together as people who are different types of people? Um, there was a lot of job loss in 2015, a lot of economic issues, and so I think that caused a lot of people to ask the question, who am I without a job, right? Men in the room, when when you identify yourself, the first thing you mention is your job, right? It's what you do, and so you deal with this sort of identity crisis when you don't, you don't have a job. Well, who am I now? You know, who am I when I don't have a job. And so lots going on in 2015, I think, to cause people to search out the word identity, to find out, like, who are we and where do we get our identities from? So I just got a new ID card, um, a new, also known as a driver's license. So went in the other day, didn't realize it, and they said, hey, you are almost out of date. So got a new picture, looked pretty good, turned out pretty great. Um, On this thing, it's uh, it's got a lot of information about me, We've got a birth date, 10 82 Any other 82-ers in the room? A few, okay, got some of you guys in the room. So uh, issue date, you don't need to know that. But it says, I am a male, 5'10", 160 pounds, blue eyes. So this is my identification card. And, uh, and so I would say this. There are two things. There's identification and then there's identity. And I think these terms get mixed up a lot but I think they're very different things. And it's really important that you see these things as different because if you just found this card on the street and you picked it up and you read it, would you know me? Of course not. Like you wouldn't actually know me. You'd know a few things about me. You'd know the information I put on here, but you wouldn't really know me as a person. And so I'd say this. Identification is how other people see you, but your identity is how you see you. those, Those are two totally different things. Now, I think we get them mixed up, And I think how other people view us becomes how we view ourselves, and it becomes this convoluted mess. But I think it's important that you separate those things. There's how people see you, there's your job, and there's, you know, how you dress and how you look, and then there's actually your identity, which is something much, much deeper. So I'm going to ask you to play along with something for just a second, and uh, we're going to take like 30 seconds, and I want you to turn to somebody next to you and tell them one instance in your life, one situation that you've experienced, that you think has shaped your identity. Something that has happened in your past that has shaped who you are. So I'm going to give you 30 seconds. Go. Go ahead. You can talk in church. Go for it. I'll tell you my divorce. Oh, yeah, that's a big one. All right, all right. Okay. And a hush fell upon the crowd. Okay. So over here in the corner, you introverts are like, I hate you. I hate, I, I, this is why I don't go to church all the time, because pastors make you do stuff like this. Just if this ever happens and you're an introvert, introvert, just close your eyes and act like you're praying. We won't, we'll just assume that you're super spiritual and it'll be fine. But over here, somebody throw one out. Just throw one out. Big situation. Getting married? Yep, absolutely. Identity driver. Anyone in, in the corner? Motherhood. Yep, how about here in this, this group? Biking accident? Okay, that will, yeah, that will change your life. How about, how about this? Anybody here? Army? Military? Yeah, being in the military? How about in the corner there? No identity, okay. What? What was it? College, yep. Okay, over here? Nothing, okay. So, I'm sorry, pray for this section. They need identity. Over here, anybody? all of your life has shaped you. Great point. Thank you. It's like, I, it's like I told him to say that. That's awesome. It has. Absolutely. We've all got this, this journey of things that has shaped who we are. Somebody said divorce. I mean, these kind of situations, they change the way that we see our life and the way that we see ourselves. And, and, and these moments will shape us. And for me, the, the first thing that comes to my mind is when I was seven years old, I got hit by a car and um, we were living in upstate New York, and my parents had told me, of course, to stay away from the road. There was a secondary highway that ran by our house, and uh, it was like a 60 mile an hour speed limit, and I was riding my bike across the street, and my shoelace got caught up in, in the in the pedal. Have you done this before? Where when you keep pedaling, it just gets tighter and tighter and tighter until you just sort of like just fall over in the in the road. And so I'm in the middle of the road, laying on the ground, and this eighty-five-year-old gentleman in a very large car comes barreling over the over this hill and he, he he hit me. He couldn't do anything to stop it, slammed on the brakes, his his tires, the front tires exploded on the car. It was just this crazy miracle moment. And so it scooped me up instead of going over me. And you know, I shot into the air and landed on the ground and I was all scuffed up and broke my leg in three places. This was the day that school got out for the summer. And so I spent the whole summer in a cast from my waist to the to the bottom of my ankles, like a hard fiberglass cast, just miserable. I hate, I mean, it's, we lived on Lake Champlain in upstate New York, and so my, my dad had a boat. And so he'd take us out in the boat, and I had this hard cast on, and he, he'd always put life preservers around the cast. <laughs> but he wouldn't put one on the top, so I was always like, what oh, would that be, like a, like a, Buoy or something upside down under the water if I ever fell out of the stupid boat. I don't know. Um, It's my parents. Um, But this was a shaping experience. And I remember my mom always told me, stay away from the road, stay away from the road. And so for me as a kid, you know, I was young, but I remember this shaped the way that I view my parents. Like it occurred to me for the first time in my life that maybe my parents weren't trying to destroy my life. Like maybe they weren't just trying to take away all my teenagers. Maybe your parents aren't just trying to take away all of your fun. Maybe they're actually trying. I know it's a novel idea, but for me, it was a totally new thing. And even at that age, I was like, oh, I get it. They, they're trying to help me, you know, not to get hit by cars and things like that. That's good. And, and so it shaped, I think, the way that I, uh, I related to my parents and the way that I saw myself. And, and here's the thing. These big situations in your life, now those things will shape you. But even deeper, the way that you think about those situations will shape you. The way that you look at those life-shaping event life events will, will change you depending on how you see those things in your life. And so this is our journey. This is a whole process of finding identity. You know, as a kid trying to figure out who you are into junior high school, which is just a hard time of life, right? I mean, junior high, if I could just get rid of an area of my life, a season of my life, I'd just get rid of junior high school because that was tough. That's why I love our junior high ministry. There's tons of students show up here because like junior high kids, we love you. You're going to make it. It'll be okay. Because it's just, it's a hard season of life. And and you're trying to figure out who you are. Then you get into high school and there's dating and there's all these relationships going on. And then, you know, you get out of high school, maybe you get married. And then two people with two completely different identities go like this. And And it's like that. It's friction and problems, right? Married people, it's tough. It's tough to be married. Two people, two different identities now become one, and it it creates a lot of friction and problems. And and then you have kids, and now you're like, well, now I'm a parent. Now I gotta like, I gotta be a parent. And what's it mean to be a parent? And these kids start to define who you are, and then at some point you're like, I wish I, I could just get rid of the kids. And then at some point you finally do get rid of the kids. Now you're like, now who am I? Now I got no kids. I'm empty nesting. I got, you know, no identity anymore. And so, Now you're a retired person and you're just trying to kind of like figure out what it means to to be involved with things that you used to be involved with, but now you don't have a job anymore. This This is the journey we're on, you guys. And in each season, knowing who you are will determine how you do in those seasons. It'll determine how much peace you have in each season of life. Now the thing about all this stuff is these are all like external things that have happened to you. These are things that you have done or have been done to you. And here's the thing, the world says that what you do determines who you are, but God says who you are determines what you do. The world is telling you that you are defined by what you do, the decisions that you make, what you accomplish, but God says that who you are determines what you do. And this is so important. This is so key, you guys, because you can't be who you were meant to be if you don't know who you are. If you don't know who you are, you can't be who you were meant to be. And this is why religion is so unhealthy. And we talk a lot about religion in this church in sort of a negative sense because Jesus talked about religion in a negative sense. He talked about it as us doing things without the heart. Like you look really pretty on the outside. Maybe you go to church. Maybe you got, you know, your life put together on the outside. But on the inside, your heart's not in any of this. That's religion. And the problem with religion is religion says that doing is being. It tells you that as long as you do the right things, as long as you look good on the outside, then you are something different. It has changed who you are. But we believe something completely different, that when God changes who you are, it will change what you do. And this is a lot of times why people aren't getting traction, I think, in their lives, because as Christians, we're to operate out of our identity. We're to operate out of who we are. And when you're just trying to change behavior, it becomes very difficult because you're, you're pushing an uphill battle. You're trying to be something that you're not. You're trying to act in ways that you're not. It's operating totally different when you're operating out of who you are. Second Corinthians 5.16. Read this passage with me, would you? It says, From now on, therefore we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the, to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new, what? Creation the old has passed away, behold, the new has come. What a great verse, right? If you are in Christ, you are a new creation. To to be in Christ, this is like an identity term. It's like you are completely enveloped and wrapped up and covered by Christ. That's what it means to be in Christ. Now, this is why the most important relationship in your life is your relationship with Christ. You can't do anything else until you get this relationship with Christ figured out. I mean, it's going to affect all of your other relationships, the way that you live your life. And if you don't know who you are in Christ, everything else is going to be really difficult. But I think that when we know who we are in Christ, it changes all the other stuff. That's why when Jesus was asked, like, what is the greatest commandment? He boiled it down to the first being, love God with your whole heart and mind and strength. Like love God completely. The first thing more than anything is just can you love God? And then the the second of which he says is similar. He says, love your neighbor as what? As yourself. Now it's interesting that he says that. Love your neighbor as yourself. And I've heard people say before, well, he said it because we all just naturally love ourselves. (laughs) Maybe you're like, you're like, yeah, Brian, I love myself. I'm awesome. I mean, why wouldn't I? Who wouldn't love this? Seriously. I mean, maybe, maybe you just you kind of love yourself already. But I would say this, I would say I don't think that people really love themselves the way that God intended us to love ourselves. Like I think this is part of the command is that if you're going to love other people, you have to love yourself. You have to have, have a relationship with yourself that is healthy. And, and, and this is really key, you guys, that we know who we are and that we love ourselves. Because if you ever have an issue loving other people, a lot of times it's because you don't love yourself. And honestly, people who struggle with arrogance and, and pride and always feel like, you know, I'm the best. I got no problems. You know, my side of the street is clean. If I, if I look at those people honestly, most of them struggle with their identity. Most of them are, are trying to kind of compensate for certain identity issues inside with this sort of outer arrogance and confidence where on the inside they're wondering who they are. And I have, I've certainly acted in that way personally many times. When I fly off the handle or when I act in a way that is is arrogant or prideful, it's because I'm trying to prove something to you or to myself. So again, the way you relate to yourself is so key. The way you think about yourself is so key because nobody spends as much time with you as you. You're the loudest voice that's speaking in your head. And you've got these tapes that play in your head about yourself. And these tapes will shape how you view you. And what you say about yourself will determine ultimately, what you end up thinking about yourself. And it will either help you to become who Christ is in you, or not to become that person. So I've got three chairs on the stage here today. Um, And these these three chairs are going to represent, I believe, different seasons of life, or maybe a stage of life that you find yourself in uh, right now. And so as we're talking about these things, I want you to just kind of internalize this and think, which chair am I in today? So this first one this first chair, I'm going to call this "Who You Think You Are." This is who you think you are. Um, so you guys remember American Idol, right? Remember back back when it was good, like back in the William Hung years. Remember that? She bangs, she bangs. Come on, you guys watched that. Uh, so American Idol was hilarious when it first came out, and uh, and like it, I think TV's been trying to make up like for that for years. I mean, you you just can't <laughs> can't recover from American Idol, but. It was, it was awesome, and we watched it. You know you watched it, and you watched it because, not because you wanted to find, you know, good vocalists, but because you love watching the ones that were terrible, right? You love seeing the guy that thought he was amazing and was not. Like, nobody loved this guy enough to tell, like, William Hung, don't sing. Don't sing in public, at least. Like, this is not your gift. Do something else with your life. You're not, su- in fact, I think he sold, like, a million records of that one stupid song, so that would be totally wrong. But anyway... Don't be this. Nobody loved him enough to tell him, don't be this. And, uh, and so you end up on American Idol, acting like you're something that you're not. And I think that we laugh on the outside, and we think it's hilarious, but there's sort of the sick part of us that relates to that person. I think there's, there's part of us on the inside that realizes, like, we think we're a certain way, but then there's the actual way that we are. Like, we have a way that we view ourselves, and it's probably not completely accurate. You know that, Right? Right? Like, you have stuff that you do that people around you know about that you don't know about. I mean, you have that, that thing that you do, you know, like, with your eyes when you tell a story. You have that noise that you make when you eat that people are like, why are they doing that? You know, the smacking of the lips. Or you have this thing that you do when you're sleeping that you don't even realize. And, and you have this way that you act with people. And you don't even know it. Like, you're completely oblivious to it. Now, you're like, no, Brian, I'm totally aware. Let me tell you right now as a friend, you're not you're not. You just aren't. None of us are. There is stuff about me that if you get in a room with me, you're going to be like, wow, Brian's kind of weird. There's some stuff about that guy's life that I had no idea. I just haven't spent enough time with him. But these things are, are they're blind spots for us. They're things that we don't realize about our lives. And so we laugh at it in other people. But I wonder today, do you admit that there's stuff that you probably don't see about yourself? Um, and it's funny, like it, this affects who we think we are. When we're, when we're in this place, I would say that this person is deceived. I'd say this person is deceived. And and they, they're deceived by their perception of themselves. And as we know, perception kind of becomes reality. Um, my daughter, Cadence, she's my oldest. And last Easter, I remember we tried to get that girl in a dress, and you would have thought we were waterboarding her. I mean, screaming and crying, like relentless crying. And she's a pretty stable kid, but just freaking out. And I sat her down finally, and I was like, Cadence, what is the deal? Why won't you wear a dress? And she goes, Daddy, I'm just not that kind of girl. <laughs> I don't know what that means. I, she, she just, she's like, I'm not the dress-wearing kind of girl. I know that, Daddy. That's just not who I am. And so in her mind is a perception of herself, and that image that she has of herself is not wearing a dress, Right? So anytime somebody tries to put on a dress on her, she's like, oh, no, this isn't me. I don't like this. But you've got stuff like this in your life. You know, you're here today, and you're like, yeah, I'm not really the church-going kind of guy. Um, I'm here because somebody brought me here. I'm here because, uh, you know, my my wife wants me to be here, or, you know, I'm here because my friends are here. I'm here to pick up chicks, whatever you're here for. Uh, But you're here, you're at church, but you're not really the Church guy, right? Or you're not the religious person. Like I'm not really that person that takes their faith like uber seriously. That's kind of crazy. I mean, I just I go to church sometimes, but I'm not really that kind of girl or that kind of guy. Um, you know, maybe you're like I'm not really like a parent type, or I don't really do good with kids. Like that's not that's me and babies. We don't get along. You know, or or maybe you're you're like I'm not a really generous person. Like that's just not who I am in life. I just I don't like that. Or I'm the person that people don't really love to hang around with. Or Or, you know, whatever you say about yourself, it becomes true, doesn't it? Like, the things that you believe about yourself ultimately become what you actually are. You're like, hey, I'm not the marriage type. Well, guess what? You're not going to get married, you know? You're like, I'm not the generous type. type." Guess what? You're not going to act very generous in life, you know? And there's what you say about yourself will ultimately become what we say about ourselves. And the thing about these things is they're not necessarily true, but it's what we believe. And it shows me that, like, that's the power of a lie, is a lie doesn't even have to be true to hurt us. It doesn't even have to be true. As long as you believe it, then that's what it is, that you'll never be the person that's, you know, plugged into church, or you're like, I'm just not super social. I'm not like a social type of person. Well, then that's exactly what you're going to keep being. And so your perception of yourself becomes the reality of yourself, and you are ultimately deceiving yourself deceiving yourself. And there's things about you that can change and things about you that are different, but it's hard to see them when you're in this chair because you're deceived. And we have to acknowledge as a community that we're probably deceived about some things. As a leader, um, I've always told myself, if I ever find myself with uh, a leadership team at the church that always agrees with me, it's, it's time to hire somebody or fire somebody. That's what I think. Like if I end up in a, in a room and nobody disagrees with me, I have not built a healthy team. And some of you in this room today, as you look at your life in general, you can't think of the last time that somebody disagreed with you. Like really pushed, really sat you down and was like, hey dude, I think you're blowing it. I think you're missing it. I think you're missing the point here. And that may be because you're so awesome, but it's probably because you've surrounded yourself with people who agree with you, and you have cut off people who don't. And let's be honest, we can tend to cut off people that dis- disagree with us. i mean, be honest with you. When you are living in a certain way or wanting to do a certain thing, you will gravitate towards people who agree with you. You just will. We all do that, but that's not healthy. We need to seek out the truth. You want the truth today? <laughs> yes, I hope so. Do you want the truth? Not so sure, right? I don't know if we do or not. Jesus says this. He says, you will know the truth and the truth will what? Amen, right? Set you free. Amen. That's what we need. We need the truth today. So this is who you think you are. Over here in this chair, I'm going to call this person who you actually are. This is a scary place to be. Who you? This is, this is the chair of truth. This is the chair. This is where we actually get honest about ourselves because, you guys, only what's true about you should inform your identity, right? I mean, only the truth about us should inform who we believe that we are. But this is a scary place to be. And some of you are here this morning. Some of you are over here in the deceived chair, and you're like, what is he talking about? I'm not weird. And, and some of you are here, and you're, you're, you're getting honest with yourself, and you find yourself discouraged about the things that you do and the way that you are. Maybe you're really honest about the world, and you're like, yeah, things are kind of messy in the world today, and things are kind of a wreck, and I don't really know what to do with it. And maybe you've developed some cynicism towards other people and maybe even towards the church and, and things like that, because you just you're, you're getting honest, you're like, it is kind of messy when you look at it. I had a friend the other day, uh, and he was talking to me about how his financial situation had become quite a wreck, and how at the end of the month, every month, they did all the bills and they realized they had no money, no money left. In fact, they were over uh, their budget every single month and I'm like, man, that's that's really scary. I said, did you sit down and actually make a budget and like write out all of your expenditures and and you know put it all down on paper? He goes, No, that sounds terrifying. <laughs> and I was like, dude, get honest with like you have to do that. You're not gonna fix your financial situation until you actually look at where the money's going. I mean, you can't expect that it's gonna get better. He's just he's like, no, I just get to the end of the month and there's no money left. I'm like, well, you gotta get honest. You gotta get real. And some of you are here today, and you don't even want to sit in this chair because you don't know what you're going to find out, right? I mean, if you could be completely honest about who you are and about the world around you and about the things that you do, this is a scary place to be, right? This is why we'd much rather cut off people that will tell us those things because we don't want to hear it. But this chair is where we get honest. This is who we actually are. And when you start looking at who you actually are, it's pretty bad it just gets bad. Like, you, you, you run into the inconsistencies in your life. Over here is all of what you think that you are, and you think you align with exactly what you think you are. When you sit here, you realize there's all this inconsistency between what you say you are, what you think you are, and what you actually are. So I'd say this person is distraught. It's a distraught place to be. When you just get real and honest about you and the world around you, it's a scary thing to experience. So we have to seek out the truth. We have to seek out the truth. Jesus praised this in John 17, 16. He says, they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Jesus prays this for you. He says, they're not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. There are people who think of things in terms of the world. You know? They just... Just get me some friends, get me some influence, get me a good job, get me a hot wife, get, get me a retirement fund, and get me to the grave. Like this is beginning and end, they think in terms of this life. And Jesus is like, no, no, there's so much more than just this world, the way that you see it. There's this new kingdom, there's this new thing where, where God is reigning over his people, where you're his people, and he's your God, and you love him, and he loves you. There's this, there's this other thing that's, that's that we can experience now, and one day we'll experience it in perfection when this world is one day taken back to the way it was intended to be. He says, separate them from the world, sanctify them in the truth. Where is, where is the truth at? He says, your word is truth. So if you want the truth today, if you really want to be honest about yourself, you've got to go to the word. You've got to go to God, right? The, the one person, if anybody's going to be honest with you today, it's going to be God. Now, some of you don't want to have that conversation. It's like that thing you need to talk about with your husband, but you're just putting it off because you're like, I don't even know if I want to have that talk, you know? That's how it is with, like, a lot of people with God, like, I don't even know if I want to talk to God about that because I don't know if I want to get honest with him. But be honest, and God will tell you the truth. But Psalm 32 is beautiful. It's a beautiful psalm of David. David is a man I relate to a lot of times. He's a man with inner turmoil who's really happy about life, excited about what's going on. The next minute, he's like, God, why do you hate me? Like, he's just back and forth, which you guys relate to, don't you? Um, Back and forth. He says in Psalm 32, 1, he says, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of the summer. Selah. I acknowledged my sin to you and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Selah. That Selah word, it just means rest. It just means what I just said was huge. You should think about that for a second. That's what Selah is. He says, blessed is the ones whose whose transgression is forgiven. That you will be blessed when you experience the forgiveness of God. And he, he looks back to this time of his life where he wasn't seeking out forgiveness from God. When he wasn't really being honest with God. He didn't really want to have the conversation with God. And he says, in that time, it's like my strength was dried up. And it's like my bones were wasting away. He was exerting so much strength, fighting God, not wanting to deal with the reality of who he was, that he was just worn out and tired. And it's like his bones were wasting away, which is a great way of putting it. Like like internally, you're just aching. just like a cancer inside of you, but you don't know what to do with it, and you're not actually dealing with it. It's almost like, have you ever needed to apologize for something and you just couldn't get the words out? You've been there? Where, like, you know you did the wrong thing. You know that you need to apologize to this person. But it's like your lips are zippered shut. And it's like, I'm sorry, you know. I can't really, you know, like, I can't really get it out of my mouth. I know I need to apologize. But my ego and my pride are such that, like, I'm just, I'm not ready to do it. I'm just, what you did was way too wrong or, you know, whatever might have happened. He he talks about it like this. Like, I needed to apologize to God. I needed to get honest with God but I couldn't do it. And it took so much strength. It's like he didn't even realize how much strength it took to fight God. And then he got honest with God. And he didn't cover his sin. And he was honest and he confessed his transgression to the Lord and he forgave the iniquity of his sin. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that cool? So you get honest with God and what does he do? He forgives you. Have you ever had that happen where where finally you apologized you're like okay, fine I, I, I am sorry I, I messed up. I know that I know that I made a mistake there, and there was grace and it and it mended the relationship and you think, why did it take me so long to do that? why did it we're, we're proud come on we're, we're kind of arrogant we're like we, we're kind of we have big egos if we're honest and we don't really want to apologize. we don't want to be wrong it's It's called sin. it's in all of us, and if we're honest, this is hard, but it's what we need to do and In this seat, in this seat, you're going to be really discouraged. Because you're just going to be honest about your sin and honest about the world around you, but you won't know what to do with it. So over here, this last chair, I'm going to call this who you are meant to be. Who you're meant to be. 1 Peter 2.9 describes you as this. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So this is what it's like to be in Christ. This is what it's like to move from this chair where you're overcome by the reality of your own brokenness And you're resisting God and exerting all this energy to not have to apologize and make it right. And then you move over into this chair and now you identify as who God says you are. This is a great place to be. The person in this chair, you've met this person before probably. You've seen them. They're completely at peace with who they are. They have things that they're good at and they're not ashamed of that. They have things that they're terrible at and and like they're not ashamed of that either. And they're able to walk through life and try new things because even if they fail at it, they know who they are. This is the you that doesn't have to freak out at the kids when they freak out in the grocery store, and they're throwing, you know, cans down on the ground, because you don't have anybody to impress, and so you can just parent them the way you want to, and not be so embarrassed, because you're like, I don't care what you think, you know, I know who I am, I don't have to impress anybody. This is the you that can spend a few less minutes looking in the mirror in the morning, because you're like, no, I'm going to take care of myself, but I really am not going to gain my identity from how people see me today, from that blemish that I keep trying to hide. This is the you that is at total peace with yourself at work and you're not at the top of the totem pole but you're not at the bottom and you're just doing your job, doing your best and if you get that promotion, you get that new job, it's going to be awesome. If you don't, it's okay. This is the you that is at peace with your life. And I love what first Peter says, it helps us to gain a new identity. It describes who you are when you're in Christ. And I don't know if this speaks to you, being a chosen race a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's possession, you know? I don't know, because we feel a little chosen all the time anyway. Like, we feel, especially as Americans, like, we're a little better than the rest of the world sometimes, right? If we're honest, come on. And and it's like, no, God has chosen you, because you were in this chair. You have to go here. You can't come here before you go here. I I know you want to. Like, you can't You can't move into this chair until you're completely honest about your brokenness. And when you're honest about your your brokenness as a human being, you're like, who is God that he would choose me? And who am I to be chosen by God? So does this speak to you? I don't know. Josue's in the front. What's up, Josue? Josue, you are a chosen person. You are a royal priest. You're part of a holy nation, a holy community, the church. You are a person of God's personal possession. That you might proclaim the excellencies of God. That you might speak of how good he is. Who called you out of darkness into his light. Once you were not part of a community, you were just floating around as your own person. But now you're part of a community, part of a chosen family. You're chosen. Once you hadn't received mercy, remember that? When you didn't have mercy? Today you have mercy. that change it for you guys? Like, own this stuff. Own it. But you have to walk from chair to chair to chair. This person is dauntless. I love that word, dauntless. This person is fearless, impervious to whatever might come their way. So we never proclaim, especially at our church, that the Christian life's going to be easy. You guys know that, right? Like, as you follow God, it's not necessarily going to get rid of all your problems. In fact, it might give you some more problems. But what we do claim is that you won't have a trouble-free life, but you will have a trouble-proof life. It's different, right? Like, you're going to have troubles, you're going to have discouragement, you're going to go through things, but God is going to be with you in those things. So which chair are you in today? Where are you at? Where are you at? Here's the next step. The next step is become who God says you are meant to be. Romans 13, 14 says, But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. I love this, this passage, put on Jesus Christ. Like some of you are like, you know, oh yeah, I received Jesus or I prayed that prayer that one time and you've kind of got them covered up a little bit, but you got like a leg sticking out, right? Like there's just a little bit of me sticking out and you, you don't really believe this stuff. If you're honest, you're like, I kind of invited Jesus into my world, but I didn't really take on a new identity which even the language we use of like inviting Jesus into our hearts kind of lends itself to saying, well, God's going to be sort of like in my life and Jesus is sort of like a bystander watching me do my thing, but I'm still sort of defined as who I was. I'm still the same person. Jesus is just there to help me out occasionally. No, that's not how the Bible speaks about it. The Bible literally says, you are no longer the old you. There is now a completely new you. And this isn't, this is so key because this isn't just like, Positive thinking. This is owning the new you. This is receiving the new you. And, and, and if you're not getting traction in your life, a lot of times it's because you're operating out of the old you. You're operating out of who you see yourself as. And I talk a lot about this because this is so key to my heart, is that I see so many Christians running around with this dirty, rotten sinner theology, and they describe themselves as, yeah, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I'm just a a dirty, rotten sinner. That's who I am. Just trodding along in Jesus. No, it's not who you are. In Christ, you are seen as Christ. That's your new identity. You're completely new. Not part of you, not a section of you, but completely new. And now this isn't a cop-out. You might be like, well, that's just a cop-out. It's not. It's owning the new you. And if you catch this, you guys, you catch this, you're going to know what to do in your life. Because when you know who you are, you'll know what to do. When you're getting ready to fly off the handle at the kids, it's like, wait a minute, who am I? I've, I'm, I've been given mercy. I'm a royal priesthood. I'm a chosen person. This is not who I am anymore. And now you're operating out of who you are in Christ. You see where the hope is? You see how much better that is? Because otherwise, if you're just a dirty, rotten sinner covered by Jesus, you know, um, but I'm identifying with this old me, then you're always trying to change who you are. You're always trying to be something that you're not. Like, I'm not a generous person. I'm not a helpful person. I'm not a gracious person. But when you own who you are in Christ, then who is Christ? Christ is merciful. He's gracious. He's generous. He's giving. He's loving. Forgiving. That's who we are in Christ. And now all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, I'm not being fake when I'm being merciful. I'm not being fake when I'm being forgiving and being generous. I'm being exactly who God intended to me. This passage, it says, make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. It's speaking to this idea that we tend to kind of create opportunities for our flesh. Like we want Christ, but we still want a little bit of the old us. So we go sit in this chair and then it's sort of like this. Uh, can I bring it with me, God? Because we still want to be a little delusional occasionally, right? Because it's just way too much pain when we're honest. So uh, let's just be a little delusional. Let's kind of hide it. Let's leave church and think happy thoughts and try to be be encouraging. And uh, you tell me that I'm awesome, I'll tell you that I'm awesome, and we can be happy in life, right? That's good. You're happy, but you're not honest. You're William Hung. So you're over here, though. And, and, and now here you're just discouraged. You're like, pastor just told me I'm sinful. Okay, that stinks. That's like, like, literally the Bible says that we are enemies of God. Like we don't want good. We don't choose what's good. We choose what's selfish. And that's just what the word says. And if the word is truth, then what's truthful is that at our core, we will destroy ourselves if that's what we're given the chance to do. And, and you don't have to do a whole lot of work to see that in your life or in mine. But we stay here, we're discouraged, and we're like, oh, we don't know what to do. We just walk around moping like we're never going to get any traction. He says make no provision for the flesh. Don't make any opportunities for that in your life. That's not what you need. You need to know who you are in Christ, and there is no greater identity than that of Christ Jesus. Amen, church? Amen, right? We, We want that. Here's what I think that means. That means to defer to what Jesus says about you. Here's the action step for you. If you're like, what do I do, Brian? How do I actually do this? Here in a few minutes, when you walk out these doors, when you get in the car, whatever happens, I want you to defer to what Jesus says about you. If you're a believer here today and you don't know what to think about yourself because your vision's kind of skewed, you've been through some junk and you, know, you tend to make bad choices, defer to what Jesus says you are. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, One who was not chosen, but is chosen in Christ. Somebody who was separated, lost, wandering, but is now part of the family and has community and matters to God and matters to others. That's who you are. You're in Christ. Defer to who Christ says you are. Just look at the life of Christ and be that. Be like, that's who I am. I'm the kind of person that stops on the street, and just prays for somebody, help somebody. I'm the, I'm the kind of person that is willing to show grace when somebody doesn't deserve it. I'm the kind of person that's going to show mercy when somebody doesn't deserve mercy. I'm the kind of person that would give their life for somebody else. Give them myself. Care for somebody. That's who you are in Christ. So where are you at today? Which chair are you in? And, and, and I want to encourage you, you don't have to stay there. If you're here and you're like, yeah, I've been pretty deluded. Uh, everybody pretty much agrees with me. I should look into that. Um, it's time to take a step, be honest. But I pray you wouldn't stop there. I pray you wouldn't go home and be discouraged about yourself. Go home and just live life like oh, I'm just this mess. But that you take another step. You would just let the words out. You would confess your sins to God as it says in that psalm. And then like David, you would experience peace and forgiveness just as he did. I want that for you today. And you can make that step Which chair are you in? Would you defer to who God says you are? And when you do, you will be the most true version of yourself. You're going to experience peace and joy that you never have before. Let's pray together. God, this is easy to say and really hard to do. Really easy to say we're new in Christ, we have a new identity. But the implications are huge. Uh, God, it changes how I act with my family, how how I act with my friends. It changes the way that I view other people, the way that I view my job, and the way that I view my recreation. It changes the way I view everything when I get a new identity, God. So would you help us all to see who we are intended to be? Could you give us a vision for who we were meant to be? God, could we look at the life of Christ, and could we see something better than what we see in ourselves? God, I want to pray for the person that's deceived today, that maybe walked in here completely completely deceived about who they are. God, that there could be some honesty today. God, that we could honestly look at ourselves and see that we and ourselves are not good. We can't please you, God. I pray for the person who's discouraged, who's depressed about life, and maybe the world that we live in, who's kind of jaded, cynical. God, that they could see something better in Christ, that they could see what's coming in the kingdom of God. God, and that they could be part of casting this vision to the world. And I pray for the person here in this seat, God, that they could walk in confidence. They could walk in peace, that they could be honest about their imperfections. But more than anything, God, they would own, own their identity in Christ. That's what we need here today, God. So would you give somebody freedom today? Would you give somebody the strength that they don't have to just say, Father, I'm sorry. Would you heal me? Could I be part of the family? Could I just have peace? Could I get off the treadmill of trying to impress other people, trying to prove things to myself or to my family? Could I just have peace with my God? I pray that for all of us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Thanks.